All right. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Jeremiah. Don't you wish you could have that guy announce your entrance into every room? That would be awesome. So we've been in this series, uh, this idea of discipleship, this idea of kind of running the bases God's way versus the world's way. And so today we're specifically going to talk about this idea of third base and the results base, the competence base. Um, But it starts with this connect to God moment. It starts with this idea that we are meant to connect to God. And then we move from when we connect to God, we're supposed to build our character kind of imitating who he is and visualizing ourselves as, man, I was made in the image of God, so I need to have his character. And then as we have this character, we kind of round a second, and we get to this idea of community. And that's why we have things like small groups and community groups and and classes and everything. Why? is why you're here on a Sunday morning, so you can connect with community, and we can build each other up. And so then we're going to round our way again to third base. And as we round third, third is this idea of competency or results. So we're going to talk about what do we what do we do with results? What do we do when we're not getting results? What do results look like, and, and where do we take them from here? And so we're going to kind of sum up and finish the series today. So if you have your Bibles, um, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 50. And uh, so third base is winning with results. How do we win? How do we, how do we get through this life? So we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 50, uh, verse 14 is where we're going to start in just a moment. And so here's the thing. Uh, we've been in the story of Joseph, and we're picking up his story, kind of the, the ending of the story. Um, if you know the story of Joseph, we've been in it. Um, we have Joseph and his brothers, and he's like, I'm the favorite. You know, my parents are here. My mom will tell you I'm her favorite son and because um, I'm just so much better than my brothers, who I hope are watching. And um, they know. And so we're very excited, right, about, you know, being the favorite is always the best. How many of you are the favorite, if you're being real honest? There's some of you in this room. Some of you are like, Pastor Phillips said he was. I was like, you're an only child. Of course you're the favorite. That's not, I'm competing with others, right? How many of you, you know who the favorite is and it's not you and you're mad about it, right? There's some of those, there's some bitter ones in this room. I like the teenage in the room are like pointing at the sibling. So we have this idea of Joseph was the favorite and we're gonna get into a little bit of why in a little little bit later. And so he gets this vision from God that, um, all of his siblings and his father are going to bow down to him. And he tells them, man, if I got that vision from God, I would tell my siblings. Hey, just so you know, God told me you're going to bow down to me because I'm the best. Right? And so he, and man, and it goes wrong pretty quickly, right? And so there's this, there's this big thing. And Joseph, who has what he thinks is the result God wants, that he's going to be bowed down to, he thinks that's the result God wants. Man, he goes through a series of crazy turmoil moments in his life. And he's sold into slavery. His father's told that he's dead by the brothers. And they, they even rub some blood on the coat and all this kind of stuff. And he gets sent to Potiphar's house. But then he starts building his way up through Potiphar's house till he's second in command. He's like, oh, okay. So now God is going to give me the results that I want. People are going to bow to me. Got it. And then he gets falsely accused, thrown in prison. And for many of us, I'm being real honest, we would probably, our story would end right there, right? We'd be like, I'm done. I'm out. I don't want any part of this anymore. But he doesn't. He builds his way back up. He gets to be the number one. The, the, basically, the prison guards kind of turn the prison over to him. They're like, hey, you're doing a great job leading this thing, so go ahead. So as a prisoner, he's like helping lead the prison. That's crazy. And you know what happens? These guys show up, and they're going to go before Pharaoh, and he's like, hey, don't forget me. Make sure you can put in a word with me to Pharaoh. You know what happens? They forget. They forget about him. Years. And then finally they remember, and they bring him before Pharaoh. 
And at this point, he like he talks to Pharaoh. He gives Pharaoh, hey, here's the, um, I can't do it, but God can do your dream. And eventually his brothers show up. And when he's, he's second in command of Egypt, his brothers show up. Wouldn't you love that? They come groveling to you with need. But that's not how he reacts, is it? He reacts with love. And so he actually has his brothers and his family and his dad move in with him in Egypt. And if this was a movie, that's where it'd end. Right there, it'd be like, and they all lived happily ever after, right? That's not where it ends. If you go to Genesis 50, verse 14, he's gotten permission to go bury his father Jacob in, the, in a distant land. He comes back. It says, after burying Jacob... Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to the father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back. I'm sorry, that's, I don't know if that's the voice they use. Maybe that's not. Uh, <laughs> pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Uh, before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers. I don't know about you. I don't know if this sounds like a dad wrote it or the brothers wrote it on behalf of the dad. Leave that up to your interpretation. For their sin in treating you so cruelly. And it says this. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came, threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. Now, here's the deal. You read that, and you see that, and you're like, that's a weird way to kind of end this story, right? The brother's like, Dad's dead. He's going to take the revenge. He's been setting this up. This has just been a long con. That's what this is. This has been a long con. That's what it is. And you think, that's weird, right? Isn't that a weird part of the Bible story? Maybe it's just me. But here's the truth. It's because if we're being real honest, his family was a family of con artists. You think I'm kidding? So if you go back and you look at the, the passages before the Joseph story, if you look from like the, the Genesis story with Abraham and all that kind of stuff, you have Abraham selected by God. God says, I am going to make you my people and you're going to be a light for me to the world around you. And Abraham had some great moments of faith. But he also had some moments where he was like, where's the shortcut? Where's the shortcut? I don't fully trust God here. Where's the shortcut? And so you have all these different moments. There was moments where Abraham, um, you know, he's with his wife. They're going to the city. There's a king right there. And he's, he's kind of like, he's like, I'm worried because my wife's pretty, which is nice of him to say, uh, that the king is going to steal her. So we're going to say you're my sister. So he doesn't kill me. And like, it's like, that's a weird story in the Bible. And so the king finds out that it's the wife and goes, why didn't you tell me it was your wife? I could have taken her as one of my wives and I would have been in so much trouble with God. What are you doing? You know what he does? He does it a second time. He does it again later. He doesn't trust God fully. He does it a second time. And then you know what he does? His son, his son does it again. You can read that um, you have this story of Isaac, Isaac, his son, his wife, did it, with, did it again with the king. They're kind of tricking kings and all that kind of stuff. You have Lot who was like the nephew of Abraham, and he, um, they looked out. Abraham should have gotten to choose first, and, um, but Lot chose first, and he chose, I'm going to choose the nice area. You can go have the rocks, Abraham. Man, put me first. That's his family. You know, then we get into Jacob, 
Isaac's son. So this is third generation now. Jacob, he, he steals the blessing from Esau. And he steals the blessing of God from Esau. He actually even at one point dresses up animal skins on his fur because he, was, he wasn't cool and didn't have beards and stuff. Uh, and uh, so, he had, so he had to do fur and all this kind of stuff. And his dad was almost blind. And so he had his dad feel his furry arm to pretend he was Esau. He wasn't. Got the blessing. Well, Esau's like pretty ticked off. So Jacob has to run away. He goes to Laban, his uncle. This, like, anybody else have a messed up family? <laughs> this is a messed up family, right? So, so much. And, and so Laban, he's like, hey, I'll work for seven years if I can have your daughter Rachel to marry. That'd be great. Laban's like, sounds good. Veil over her face. When they get to like the honeymoon area, veil off. It's Leah. It's the wrong daughter. Jacob's like, what's this about? Oh, sorry. I guess you owe me seven more years if you want Rachel. Con artist family, Right? So they have kids. There's this whole story about them going back and forth and them trying to trick each other. It's a mess. This whole thing's a mess. Eventually, Jacob decides to leave, and so he says, hey, I'll take all the sheep because I've been helping you growing your flocks. I'll take all the sheep that have defects. They have, like, spots and stuff. You can take all the pure white sheep. And then Jacob, behind Laban's back, is, like, only breeding the spotted sheep with each other so that he has big flocks. And he finds the weakest sheep and breeds them as the white ones. So then Laban has weak, wimpy sheep. Like, this family's a mess. So then you come to Joseph and his brothers. They're the ones, you know, they dip the coat in blood, told the dad that Joseph's dead, even though we sold him to slavery and made some money off of him. We're not telling you that part. We're just going to say. So then when you get to that part, right, <laughs> where, it's, where it's like, um, He's going he's gonna to take out his revenge on us. There's a reason. The whole family's a mess. They've always taken shortcuts. But Joseph's different. Why? Because he connected with God. And wherever he was at, he tried to build community. And then when there were results, he gave glory to God. So for you, One of the big things is when you receive results from this life, you don't keep them at third base. You take them home to God. That's what you do with results. And man, I'd love to tell you I've lived my life that way, but I haven't. There's been times I kept the results for myself. There's been times where I was like, man, look at me at third base. You know what? Third base doesn't do anything, does it? But here's how Joseph responds in verse 19 of that Genesis 50 passage. Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. He took the results back to God. Romans 12 says it this way. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new 
person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what's God's will for you, what is good, pleasing, and perfect will. And here's the thing. Joseph didn't just bring glory to God. You know what else he did that's really hard for some of us? He brought glory to the people over him. He didn't seek glory for himself. He took glory to God, but he also gave glory away. He lifted up Potiphar. He made Potiphar, the Bible says, successful. And when he was, he was come at by Potiphar's wife, he said, no, because I am lifting up your husband. He said, he hasn't held anything back from me. He's an amazing man, basically. I won't do this. So he's thrown in prison, falsely imprisoned. I don't know about you. If I was falsely imprisoned, my first thought would be, you know, I want to make the warden here really successful. Right? Am I right? That would not be my first thought. But Joseph, that's it. He's like, man, I, how can I help? <laughs> what? And he builds up. And then he comes before Pharaoh. And before Pharaoh, so this is the third time now he's had to restart positions. And he's like, Pharaoh, how can I help? And lifts up Pharaoh. And so you have this time of him finding success over and over and over again. But we don't need to gloss over there were years between those mountaintops, right? So in a room this size, I want to say a couple other things. You don't get results right away. Like, so before, um, I had a knee injury a few years back, and it slowed me down a little bit. Before that, I was still kind of a pretty big guy, but I was pretty athletic. And so I was pretty fast. And so uh, if you know anything about me, if you've seen us play softball, you know softball's not my sport. I am ridiculously good at being bad at softball. So uh, I would get up there, uh, you know, pre-knee injury, and I would, I would crush the ball. And it'd, like, take, you know, only two or three hops, and then it'd go to one of the infielders. And, um, and so here's the thing. I learned that if I, like, full-out sprinted towards first base, here's what happened every time. Because shortstops, some of you in this room are probably shortstops. You guys think you have it all together? You weren't ready for this. So I'm flying down first base line, and the shortstop does that little, like, you know, like the, the, cool, the cool catch. Anybody seen the shortstop do the cool catch? Where it's like, scoopity scoop. And then he realizes, I'm, like, booking it. I'm not, like, I'm not like giving in. And so they overthrow. And I'm not kidding you. I would get probably every other ball thrown to the first baseman overthrown because they'd realize the last instant he's full sprinting. So it sailed over the first baseman's head, and I just round first and head to second. And then I'd smile and laugh at the shortstop. No, I wouldn't do that. It was, it was church softball, so you never do anything wrong in church softball. There's never attitudes in church softball. So, um, so, we, would, so we would have a, we would have, man, I would, I would love doing that. It was my favorite, right? And, and you know, you get to third. But if you got to third, and you're like, yeah, I got to third, done. And you walked off because I was next to your dugout. You're going to get yelled at by the coach, and you don't want to get yelled at by Ron Clement, let me tell you, all right? And you have this moment. 
her, Joseph is at third base, he feels like. And all of a sudden, it's gone. And then he has another moment where he feels like there's results that happen. And what is awesome is he, did, does, he knows third base is not the end. Right? But there's also times, and we know this, that sometimes results that we want are delayed. What Joseph had pictured in his head, it didn't arrive. He got the dream, but the results were delayed. And when results are delayed, you have to trust God. Everybody else in his family, when the results were delayed, when Abraham and Sarah weren't having the kid God had promised, they took it into their own hands. When Lot wasn't having what he was promised, he took it into his own hands. When Lot's kids didn't have what they were promised, they took it into their own hands. When Jacob didn't have what he was promised, he took it into his own hands. Same with Esau. When Isaac didn't have what he was promised, he took it into his own hands. When Joseph's brothers didn't have what they wanted, they took it into their own hands. But Joseph took a step back and said, I'm going to trust God, even if the results that I want are delayed. And so for some of you in this room, there's results in your life that are being delayed, and you need to learn to trust God. But then there's another group in this room. Joseph had pictured in his head when he got the dream for God. He had pictured in his head, this is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to look like. My brothers are going to bow to me. I'm going to keep building our flocks here. He ends up going to Egypt, and the dream he felt like probably completely changed. Sometimes the results that you have pictured, they change, and you need to encounter God again. I'm going to get real vulnerable here for a minute and tell you a story of me. In a room this size, uh, with as many of new people as we have here, if we're being real honest, there's probably people in this room, and there's probably a lot of us in this room that have been hurt in some way. You've had pain into your life. And I would dare say in a room this size, you've had pain into your life, some of us from a source that should have been trusted. You've had pain into your life from somebody who never should have caused you pain. And I'll take it one step further. There's probably people in this room that maybe it was family, close friends. Maybe if we're being real honest, it was even the church. I remind you, Joseph's family were the chosen people of God. And they kept on hurting people all around him. So a few years back, things are going great in ministry at this church I was at. Different than here. And man, things were going amazing. God was doing amazing things. Great things were happening. Then we went through this transition time where we were changing out pastors. And God, even in the interim, like we had already started a building project. And so we're finishing this building project. Amazing things are happening. New pastor comes in, and there's, you know, that adjustment period and that kind of stuff. And we kind of even talked about, hey, we're going to take a year um, of you kind of, you know, everybody being on staff will take a year, kind of evaluate each other, figure out is this a thing that, you know, we want to do going forward and kind of go from there. So about six months in, we're getting close to the end of the building project. And I talked to, talked to him before about, you know, I, don't, I really don't know. I don't know what God has next. I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. 
And so we're at this conference, and, and God said, you and I need to talk. You've been so busy doing so much stuff on the building and with your regular ministry and all sorts of stuff, family, that we need to talk. So I found this abandoned classroom that's full of stacked chairs. And I was thinking I'm going to go in there, you know, maybe spend like, I'll just skip like a little, the 30-second little break time, you know. And it was like four hours later that I was able to leave the room. This isn't something that's normal for Jeremiah. But God and I just, we just had a talk. And I was praying, God, I want to know what's next. I want to know what you have for me next. And he said, what if I told you to stay? I don't, I don't think I want to. <laughs> that's what I would have to say to that. He goes, but what if I told you to stay? I don't. Are you asking me or are you telling me, you know? <laughs> you had that conversation? And then you explain things to God because he obviously doesn't understand. <laughs> I had that conversation. By the end, I'm like tears down the face. I was glad nobody else was in this little chair closet with me, right? And I felt like God said, I am not done with you. I have mission for you in this city and with these people. You need to let go of your dreams. Okay. So the next day, I was having a meeting, talk about future a little bit with the pastor, and I said, hey, so this is probably going to surprise you. To be real honest, it kind of surprised me. But God wants me here. He said, he's not done with me here. He still has mission for me here. So you tell me what position you want me to serve at at the church. If you need me to not do what I'm doing now, do something else, I'm game. You just tell me. I will serve any way you want because God wants me here. And looked me dead in the eye and said, well, it's interesting to hear we'd like you gone by May. I don't know if you've ever been fired from a God dream before. <laughs> Um, I don't know if you've ever been hurt by the church before. I struggled. God, you gave me a dream, and then you're letting them kill it. What's up? And I began to pray a prayer, God, I need to have a scarless heart in this because I don't want this to run me out of ministry. God, I need to have a scarless heart in this. And so I started praying and praying and praying. And then come to find out, we've been doing staff meetings for about a month and a half. It was kind of one of those secret things. We're kind of keeping it under, the, under wraps and that kind of stuff. Come to find out, other staff members had also been secretly fired. And we're all in staff meeting planning for a future that none of us are going to be a part of. And none of us know each of us was gone. <gasps> Lots of very strong Jesus moments, right? You ever been hurt? Man. So in May, I hadn't found a church to go to. In May, we're moving back home. My wife, on the May date that they had asked us to be gone by, was eight months pregnant. And I had figured out, well, I'm not going to be mad for me. I'm going to be, you know, it's fine. I can handle it. I'm going to be mad for her. That's what I told myself. 
I was mad for me, if I'm being real honest. Our child was born with a disability that God is bringing him out of, which is amazing, but the disability is caused by stress during pregnancy. I was in prison. And I had a choice. Do I really believe the stuff I've been preaching about for a decade? Do I really believe in the Jesus I've been serving for 20 years? Or is it talk? And God, it took, it took years. But God led me and my family, and I got to the place where God said, I need you to start praying for him and his wife and his family, his kids by name. So I don't know if you've ever been told to pray that. You know, I was like, I'll be happy to pray that they get what they deserve. <laughs> you know, that wasn't the prayer he meant. And so God led me to begin praying blessings upon him and blessings upon her and blessing upon three kids and blessings upon a church that the kingdom would be impacted in positive ways. And as I prayed those prayers, I have no idea if they were healed. I know I began to be healed because I started realizing that the results are not mine. That's true of great results, but it's also true of prison moments. These are God's results. They're his. So I don't know today where you're at. I do know that the score is not found at third, the score is found at home with God. I know that Timothy talks about you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. The band's gonna come back up. We're gonna sing one more song. But here's what I want you to hear. You may be in an amazing season right now. If you're in an amazing season, you need to give those results to God because he's the one that blessed you with them. You may be in a prison of bitterness right now towards a person, towards a family, towards a church. You need to hear, you need to give those results to God. They belong to him too. The more we return things to home, you know what happens? We get God to connect to us. We can, again, have him work on our character and have him work on community and connecting with others and have him give us results that we return to him. And you know what happens? He starts to building our character even more. And things that would normally have bothered us in the past begin to fade because we're going to give them to God anyway. I invite you to stand. Before they sing, I want you to hear this.
This is the benediction. What does it look like to live a life that is rounding the bases God's way? It's this. It's Romans 12. Brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. You may need to close your eyes and receive this today. Let you be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God's will is for you, good, pleasing, and perfect will. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give you this warning. Don't think of you better than you ought to. Be honest with your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Then it talks about you, every one of you in this room, is a part of a body. Whatever your gifts are, be a fully functioning part of the body. And don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. God, as we sing out, I pray that those who are hurt or struggling would find hope and peace. I pray that those who are succeeding at life God, I pray that they would find you and give you glory for everything that they have. We exist to amplify the beauty of Jesus to a broken world. That's why we're here. And as for me and my family, we are all in. If there is stuff in the past that is holding you back, have a funeral right now. Bury it. Give it to God. Why? Because if you're living in the past, you will never see the future. But God says, I have a plan for you. I have a future and a hope for you. I have something better for you. And this may look like prison right now, but victory's coming. This may look like your family betrayed you, but victory's coming. And if me going through what I went through helps you get closer to God, it's a price I pay gladly. And my challenge to you is, will you be that person for somebody else? Will you start looking around you and saying, God, help me take my hurt and show hope and love to broken around me. Joseph looked at his brothers who were on their knees in front of him and he could have had a moment saying, yeah, told you. But Joseph looked at them and said, I'm not God, get up. We're in this together. We glorify God. We amplify God, as these leave this place, would you help them to let go and let you use hurt for your glory? 
God, as we leave this place, would you let them use success and amazing moments for your glory? And God, in the moments of waiting, would we trust you? We love you very much in your name. Amen. Amen.